FedEx Forum, Growl Towels, Super Grizz, each one a Memphis Grizzlies tradition. This is the Grizzlies Podcast. What's up, everybody? We are back for another week of the Grizzlies Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Barnes, the Commercial Appeal. We are joined by DeMichael Cole, your Grizzlies beat writer at the Commercial Appeal. Uh, DeMichael, it's been another... uh, Fun week in the world of the Grizzlies. Let's get into something that I think uh, is a little bit interesting. As we record this on Thursday, the Grizzlies will host the Sixers on Friday. And that means the return of another old friend in DeAnthony Melton. Now, Melton was traded during the NBA draft um, earlier this summer. And Melton has obviously found a new home with the Sixers and the Grizzlies uh, remind me again to Michael, who did they get in that trade? Was that the trade that they got the that pace was, for David Roddy? Yep, David Roddy and, and, and Danny Green. So that that was that yep. trade. Yep. 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 So we'll jump right into it to Michael. Um, obviously, with Danny Green still injured and he's expecting not to you know be back to the second half of the year. How would you is it too soon to kind of assess this trade, or are you curious to kind of see um DeAnthony Melton back um just to kind of see how he's adjusting with Philly? Yeah, what we can do in terms of assessing it is just what we've seen, you know, so far. You know, I think the the long the long term projection, uh, not just with the Grizzlies, you know, rookie and David Roddy, but more so just uh, the flexibility that the Grizzlies have now. I think that helps them. But if you're looking at it in the short term, you know, that's the question: is the short term uh, the Grizzlies bench, you know, hasn't been a strong suit this season. Uh, you know, Tyce Jones is shooting the ball a lot more because they don't have a lot of scores, guys who can create for themselves. Uh, Brandon Clark, you know, his numbers have kind of regressed a little bit here so far early in the season. And those were probably the guys that you were relying on, you know, to kind of lead this bench unit. I think Brandon Clark right now at this point uh, is at eight. He's averaging 8.8 points per game down from, you know, he's never averaged you know, single digits at in any season in his career. He's averaging a career low in rebounds and so forth. So basically, I mean, none of that has anything to do with just solely on DeAnthony Melton, but it's more of the point that the Grizzlies bench could use, you know, that that readiness that he had. He's averaging, over, you know, 10 points per game right now uh, with the Sixers, kind of how he was last season, you know, with the Grizzlies. So I think, Evan, it comes down to just your preference. There are If you're a long-term person, you know, if you're looking at uh, that that type of oh uh, flexibility for the future, then you you should be fine with how that trade has played out so far. But if you're one of those, no, the Grizzlies need to win right here, right now. They don't have time to waste. This is their title window. Then you probably don't like that trade. Uh, that's what it comes down to. And, and but me personally, I think like you said, it's still super early. You know, the jury is still out. Uh, DeAnthony Melton has looked pretty much like DeAnthony Melton from last season. You know, three-point shooting-wise, he's still attempting over five attempts per game, just like he did last season. Uh, points per game average is relatively close to last season. Three-point percentage is down a little bit, but he's had some real good shooting games, you know, overall. And then minutes-wise, you know, he's getting opportunity there. You know, with James Harden out, he started 13 of the 20 games that he's played in, so he's averaging a career high in 28 minutes per game. So the readiness you're missing that, I think, from DeAnthony Melton. But overall, uh, the flexibility that not only having David Roddy and, you know, uh, him being a multi-positional guy who's actually coming off, you know, his best game of the season against the Timberwolves, a career-high 13 points, but 
the Danny Green contract, you know, uh, when when they got Danny Green in that trade, I was out there in Las Vegas and talking to Zach Kleiman, and he told me, he said, TBD, to be decided on what Danny Green's future is with the team. He kind of cleared things up, you know, at media day and whatnot, basically saying the Grizzlies want um, Danny Green to be a long-term part of this team. And then, not long-term, but they want him to be a core member of this team this season. And then, you know, talking to Danny Green, that's kind of the same, you know, vision that I got as well, Evan, when he was talking to me about how, you know, uh, the Grizzlies want him traveling on the road and want him at the games and want him around the team. So with all that being said, his contract kind of, you know, if the Grizzlies need to go out and say, hey, they need to go get another wing uh, that can shoot or they need to go get a shot creator to help off of the bench or they need to go get another big man uh, to help out in the paint with Steven Adams and whatnot. Uh, the Danny Green contract over $10 million, uh per year this year, package that with, with maybe a smaller you know, uh, piece of the deal, maybe an Xavier Tillman type contract possibly or something, and the Grizzlies can get themselves a decent, affordable player. So flexibility-wise, I think the Grizzlies are in a great position after that trade. But overall, uh, if you're one of those people who are saying, I want this bench to be better right now, then this this ain't the trade that you like it. Yeah, um, I, what, what I find interesting about it for me is, again, first of all, I was kind of surprised. Like, yes, you could look and say De'Anthony Melton in the playoffs has not, you know, has not matched his um, regular season success. But I also think it's a very small sample size in a way because, again, it's, you know, two seasons and really three playoff series. But that is enough to say we can judge John Morant. That's something we can judge Dylan Brooks. And certainly, if you're looking at Brandon Clark and Desmond Bain, you can judge them off of their successes against Minnesota. So I understand that perspective. Um, I agree with you, though. Like, I, And that's – for me – one of the things I've had I've, I've, I've wrestled with with, the, with watching this Grizzlies team and how the front office has, has instructed the team is they've been one of the younger teams in the league now, I feel like, for through the last three seasons. And it's encouraging because it gives you a lot of potential, gives you a lot of hope, and the Grizzlies are ahead of schedule and all this stuff. But to me, what I'm worried about is being a young team, you miss some of that grown-up leadership or veteran presence of guys who have been around the league, who are reliable, who you can count on in some ways. And I'm not saying, you know, obviously De'Anthony Bellin had his ups and downs for sure, but you have a player who at once was was turning into a pretty decent three-point shooter. Like obviously his three-point numbers have not come close to what they were in 2021, but he's still a reliable, you know, three-point shooter who can knock it down if he's open. Um, and obviously also his defense is what's missing. You, you miss a guy who is great defensively, who was, you know, obviously somebody who could make things happen on the court, Mr. Do something as Brevin Knight called him. And right now I look at his stats, he's averaging two and a half, oh, not two and a half, excuse me, 2.2 steals per game, which is currently second in the league. So you miss his defensive presence and you look at the Grizzlies right now, perimeter defense has been one of their struggles um, during this first part of the year. And so do you look at the trade and say, would you make that trade again? I don't know, because obviously the Grizzlies are going to have to decide what to do with all these players. You know, they have so many players on this team that they're going to have to decide who to let go, who to keep. And there's going to be some tough decisions, even though Robert Perra has a nice bank account. Um, but I do think if you look at the trade um, right now, you would say that Philly right now is wanted in the moment because DeAnthony Melton is filled in with James Harden and Tyrese Maxey out in Philly. He started – um, he's played well in games. Um, obviously, he's still a great defender. Um, he's found a role there. 
And if you look at the Grizzlies, you could say, well, you know, David Roddy has played like a rookie at times. He's played solid, but there are times when he looks like a rookie. And that's understandable. And Danny Green is the great, you know, mystery, which is probably we're not going to know what he's going to bring until possibly the trade deadline. So I'd say right now, do the Grizzlies miss Anthony Melton? Yes, in the sense that they miss someone who can be that great defender, who can be another reliable veteran that can knock down shots. Um, is he the player that he was in 2021? Probably not. But I still think he's a player that is valuable because obviously Philly is using him and that's a team with playoff aspirations like the Grizzlies. So all in all, when he returns on Friday, um, I think it's going to be very interesting to see kind of how he's going to, you know, what's he going to do? He's going to probably be the starter in that game. How does he fare? Um, can the, you know, the, the Grizzlies look like a team that could use a, a decent wing who can defend? Um, I'm going to be very curious how that matchup turns out and how that game goes. Um, what do you, Michael, you want to wrap that up with anything? Uh, I, I think you you hit on something that I that I failed to mention. That was an important part of this too. Is just defensively what he brings to the table, and and you know one big difference this season from the Grizzlies' defense has been you know they're not creating as many turnovers as we're used to seeing you know them create. Last season, this was a team that led the NBA in steals and in blocks. And mm-hmm. you, you you go over there, the block numbers are starting to trend up. I think they're 14th in the NBA in blocks per game uh, before Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, came back. I think they were much lower uh, than that. So they're starting to trend up in the blocks with Jaron Jackson Jr. back. But the steals, the Grizzlies are 23rd in the NBA. This is a team that led the NBA in steals uh, last season. They're 23rd in the NBA right now. And then guess where the Sixers are? The Sixers are third in the NBA, 8.5 steals per game. Hmm, I wonder why. Well, not a coincidence (laughs) at all. And, and, you know, we've seen, you know, the bench, um, the Grizzlies bench hasn't been really good in a big part. That's because, you know, defensively, uh, they, they don't have, you know, those, that Kyle Anderson or that D'Anthony Melton guy who can really create those turnovers and create easier scoring opportunities. So they have, so they don't have to be in half court offensive situations as much. So yeah, you hit on that, but that's a great uh, point to add as well about, you know, the impact that he has, but it'll be great to see him in Memphis, you know, playing against, you know, his teammates. I think, you know, you could say that D'Anthony Melton, I mean, John Morant, of all the players that were on the Grizzlies when he got here, De'Anthony Melton was the guy that he grew the closest to. Uh, I know I talked about it in the past about how, you know, we talk about how the Grizzlies are big NBA young boy fans. Uh, De'Anthony Melton and, and John Morant were probably the biggest two. I mean, they all, they all, they came out during the playoff games together, dancing together and things like that. So, um, I think John Morant called him like his turnip buddy, right? He was the guy that was always beside him, you know, when they wanted to have fun and dance and things like that. So it'll be great to see, you know, those guys embrace each other and interact as well. Definitely, definitely. Lots to keep an eye on on Friday. And also, if I'm not mistaken, if Joel Embiid plays, that'll be his first game in Memphis since 2018, if you want a fun stat for you. Like, Joel, the last time Joel Embiid played in Memphis, I was covering Memphis football primarily. You were still at UT. And David Cobb was the beat writer. <laughs> so yeah. that could be a fun. You know, uh, Evan, when that, I when I when I first got here, they 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 start throwing out these things about how how uh Joel and B likes to dodge that matchup or something. So uh I've heard that a couple times, but uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see him finally play in Memphis, as you said. It's it's been a while. Yeah, like last year, for example, um, he was supposed to play. He was all set to play here. And then he was a late scratch, I believe, mm-hmm. during the anthem or warm-ups. That's right. 
<laughs> I think being a, we were looking on the sidelines like, huh? Like he's he warmed up and then he scratched. So if Joel Embiid plays, that'll be a fun subplot to the game. His first time here in four seasons. So let's jump to the next topic here. Um, you you made a point on Twitter about Jaron Jackson's free throw attempts, and I thought it was very interesting. Since Jaron's come back, the one thing I've noticed more than anything is he is being more aggressive, especially inside the paint. And it was something that, you know, I took notice of in 20 last season before we switched the beat to you. I saw Jaron being a little bit more aggressive, um, getting trying to get to the basket more and, and dribble, you know, get off the dribble. And he's doing that a lot more this year, it feels like. And so I want to ask you, DeMichael. With 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 Jaron attacking more and being more aggressive and getting these 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 powerful dunks off in games that we've seen, um, how do you think that's going to affect the Grizzlies long? You know, at least just for this recent uh, where things stand right now, because it looks to me if Jaron can be that kind of player, that might absolutely help the Grizzlies a lot more than just him being the the so called unicorn that shoots threes and blocks shots. Evan, this is the difference. I mean, it's simple to me. This. This is the difference. This is how the Grizzlies go from, you know, a first round, second round team to a Western Conference NBA uh, champion. I mean, Western Conference Finals NBA championship competing team. It's it's Jaron Jackson Jr. being, you know, more efficient, being more aggressive and, you know, being dominant inside, taking advantage of mismatches. And there were a couple times, I mean, because I think this will be a process. You know, there were a few times where I saw in that Timberwolves game, Jaron Jackson Jr. had a mismatch. He had Austin Austin Rivers buried in the restricted area. Um, and, and the Grizzlies didn't get him the ball in time. And they had to, you know, he had to get out of the paint, you know, to avoid a three-second violation. So, so little things uh, like that, they're still kind of, you know, working out the kinks there. But, I mean, you can see it. Uh, you mentioned the two-handed dunks. I'm sure everyone's been seeing some of those. Him putting the ball on the floor and attacking guys. And it's even sometimes I've even noticed it on the misses. Because right now, to me, it's not about the misses and the makes. It's about the aggressiveness and everything will take care of itself. And there was a sequence in that in that Timberwolves game where he's he's isolated, you know, in the corner, in the, in the, in the corner, you know, at the three-point line, and and one of the Grizzlies players under the basket, and he takes a couple dribbles, and he kind of waves them off. He waves off the Grizzlies player, basically saying, "Get from under the basket," and he mm-hmm. posts his Kyle Anderson up, and he does like three or four bumps, and just keeps knocking Kyle Anderson back. Shoots a left-handed hook shot, missed that one, but he made you know a couple just like that, and I mean that showed me the aggressiveness. Him waving guys off, basically saying. Get out of my way. Like, I'm, I'm about to post him up and, and, and get to the basket. And I'm sure Kyle Anderson knew when he saw that wave off what's coming, and he still couldn't <laughs> stop it. So, I mean, he looks powerful, and it's showing in the numbers, right? Oh, So far, 18.5 points per game. That's a career high. Uh, and it's not just that. You know, it's it's the two-point percentage that I've mentioned, you know, a few times. Uh, four, he's making, you know, 57.4% of his two-point shots. That is a career high up to, you know, this point in his, his career. In perspective, last season, you know, you mentioned it. He did shoot a career high in two-point attempts, but I, I just don't think he got the type of looks he was that he's getting right now, you know, just playing bully ball and knocking guys out of the way. He shot 47.6% on two-pointers last year. He's up pr- pretty much 10% so far at this point. So, I mean, that's the key to me, right? Because – what were we talking about last season with the Grizzlies? The, the half-court offense, right? How they struggle yep. in half-court. You know what cures half-court, you know, uh, scoring issues? 
when you when you get late in the game and everyone's you know switching everything, and you can say, oh, okay, you're gonna switch that little six two guard onto my six eleven, two hundred forty, two hundred fifty pound power forward, fine, and just throw him the ball and everybody just move out of the way. Like that's how yep. you cure those half court issues. It's 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 simple things like that. Lionel Jaron Jackson Jr. and he's getting to the free throw line. Uh, you touched on that as well too. And that's you know him being aggressive, him playing that bully ball. Right now, five point eight free throw attempts per game. That's I mean that's more than a free throw more uh, than he attempted last season. And he attempted a career high. He attempted four point four last season free throw attempts. That was a career high. He's at five point eight. I think. Uh, before the season end, he should be over six free throw attempts per game with the aggressiveness. But, but uh, Evan, I don't think there's a bigger key. We talk about three point shooting. We talk about free throw shooting. We talk about the closing game situations. John ja Moran and Desmond Bain. Uh, I feel like you know what you're gonna get from those guys pretty much in a series. You know, John ja Moran and Desmond Bain. You know, they're probably gonna have an off game here or there, but they those two are gonna bring it. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Him being aggressive, putting the ball on the floor, that makes him consistent, and that makes the Grizzlies, I mean, very tough to beat. Yeah, and 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 I like what you I like again when you brought up that stat the other day that he's taking five point eight free throws a game. I was very pleased with that because that tells me that Jaron is doing more to get into the paint, do you know, get those easy shots and find a way to assert himself in other ways. Because let's be honest, Jaron Jackson Jr. It is, you know, was a top five lottery pick. Jaron Jackson Jr. can shoot the ball and have the you know, mismatch on the perimeter. But if he's inside, able to get his buckets too, and be able to, you know, create, you know, pressure at the rim offensively as he does, you know, defensively stopping guys at the rim, that makes him a much more well-rounded player. And I think that makes him more valuable because, look, you have Desmond Bain as your, as your shooter. Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant. Can't hit you some threes, but if they can do a lot more too, that makes them a lot more dangerous. And I think that's the way you can kind of have a great core where you have John who can do so much, Bain who's obviously becoming more well-rounded, and Jaron who's now an inside-outside potential player. That makes it a lot more scary. And again, I have said that to me the best version of Jaron Jackson is a defensive rim protector and somebody who can also get you buckets inside and outside and and, and give you – give you three things he can do very, very well. Because obviously rebounding, we know Jaron hasn't always been, you know, the most willing rebounder, although he is averaging 6.8 rebounds right now, which would be a career high if he stays on that pace. It's only six games, but still, he is trying to be more aggressive as a rebounder. And I think to me, I made this joke. I made this joke to you on Twitter. I made it to somebody else. But Monty Jones always talks about this. Big man versus tall man, right? Jaron, I've always felt, has been tall man and the, and the difference is tall man is basically somebody who's tall on the court but doesn't really use that size to their advantage right they're tall they can do some things really well they put the ball on the floor they dribble they have the size but they don't take advantage of that size inside because it's still a game of matchups it's still about hey if i'm bigger than you or taller than you use that to your advantage when you can and i think jared is learning how to be big man where he can be inside get you inside as well as take you off the dribble as well as you know hit a couple threes a night and by the way still be one of the best rim protectors defensive players in the league and so i think jaron's continual evolution as someone who can beat you inside and outside is going to be a big help for the grizzlies because that gives you one more thing to account for and i think too we have to remember jaron being you know 
I don't like bringing up Jaron being young because he's in his fifth year, but big men take a while to develop too. We know this. Like big men in high school, you're the biggest person on the court. You can dominate. In college, big men are staying one or two years in college. You're not being taught as well. So Jaron is still learning things at an age where a lot of big men who used to come to the NBA in like, you know, the 80s and 90s were 22, 23 years old. They were starting to refine some parts of that game. So the good thing about Jaron is as he's on the second contract, he's refining things at an age where a lot of other big men are starting to refine those post skills and be able to find ways to space the floor out as well. So I'm very encouraged by this new Jaron Jackson. That's a, this not shouldn't say new, but a Jaron that's more aggressive that's getting to the rim, that's getting to the foul line, because um, that's important. Because, again, we've seen the Grizzlies struggle with free throws, and Jaron being able to hit free throws is is encouraging. So I, I like this development right now that I'm seeing. It's 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 so crucial, though, Evan. I, I think, you know, because we talk about, you know, the importance. I remember uh, we did a, a podcast earlier, and we were talking about Desmond Bain and, and Jaron Jackson Jr. and who's more important and things like that. And I think if you look at Desmond Bain's play so far this season, 24.7 points per game, close to five rebounds, close to five assists per game. It's like, man, he's turned into that guy, right? But now looking at Jaron Jackson Jr., it feels like he's that guy. And it's like the, the Grizzlies legitimately have three guys who have, you know, very plus, you know, value that everyone can, you know, agree on on a on on agree on and then with Dylan Brooks I mean the stats tell you that he's very valuable you know in that same way as well even though you know among Grizzlies fans and things like that you have more mixed opinions on him but spe- speaking specifically to Jaron Jackson Jr I mean his his development and growth is just so crucial you know I, I think of when Jaren, when uh Draymond Green in the playoffs last season remember when he said they had no answer you know, for, for mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson Jr., it got to the point where Draymond himself in game six had to become the primary defender, you know, against uh, Jaron because they, they couldn't stop him in, in game five at all. And and even, you know, parts of game four, you know, he was really dominant. And and it's like once he, he's really starting to, to understand that, and you mentioned it, you know, with the big men, it take a little bit longer. And uh, it's the, I, I tweeted it, you know, on – uh, Wednesday night, I said, with Jaron Jackson Jr., it just looks like the light bulb is finally beaming. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's a good way to put it. All right, let's wrap this up with some some um, big picture thoughts. This is now we're past you know the twenty game mark of the season. It's you know we're we're a quarter of the way through the league, and as you know, league wisdom usually goes, that's when you can start kind of assessing where teams are and get a sense of where the, you know teams stand in the NBA a little bit. And as we record this right now, the Grizzlies are very much in the mix in the West. Um, so, DeMichael, I want to get into this. What are some of your, if you give me two takeaways from this first this first half, this first quarter of the season, what are maybe two takeaways, maybe one positive, one concern for you that you like about this team a quarter through the season? I'll say, uh, m- man, the positive is, is this start, I feel like this starting lineup could be a top five starting lineup in the NBA at, at full hill. Not because we haven't seen them all together, but more so because everyone, you know, with this Grizzlies team, everyone made a big deal about, oh, they didn't go out and make the move and go swing for the big guy. You know, when you when you win 56 games and, and you finish as the second seed, you're supposed to, that next offseason, you're supposed to, you know, swing for the fence and get the cherry on the top. And the Grizzlies didn't do that, right? But 
we talked a lot about internal growth. The Grizzlies are so young. Their core players are so young that you have the potential. If those if all those players grow and get better, then the team as a result is going to become much better. And so far, John Morant, you know, he looks even a step better to me, especially as a playmaker, you know, all around player. His shooting looks improved as well. Desmond Bain, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. This is a guy averaging over 24 points. I mean, he looks like an all-star, period. Jaron Jackson Jr., we just discussed it, you know, how he looks much more improved. And, and value-wise, Dylan Brooks has the best uh, plus-minus bo- plus uh, rating on this team, uh, box plus-minus, that is, on the Grizzlies right now. So he's he's been incredibly valuable. So you mentioned all those, all those things, plus Steven Adams. You know, having a, another career season as an offensive rebounder, and that's that's your starting five. I mean, this starting five, I feel like, is one of those lineups you can go into the postseason and say we're going to ride these guys for a lot of minutes, and and you know they can be really successful. I think that's the positive. Uh, the negative, it goes back to one of the basics of the games, and it's it's still the free throw shooting. You know, uh. Evan, I just, I just, I can see it now. You know, the Grizzlies being in late game situations and they're, they're being up, what, four points in the final minutes and missing a couple free throws and allowing teams to get back in the game. And and we saw, you know, John Morant, you know, had three free throws against the Kings, had a chance to tie that game, missed the very first one, Grizzlies lose. Uh, the good is John Morant right now, career year in getting to the free throw line, right? 9.3 free throw attempts per game. Uh, I think that is... I mean, you know, that is superstar level when it comes to getting to the free throw line. But he's shooting 74% from the free throw line. You just you you need more from him. And, and granted, he's a career, I think, 76% free throw uh, shooter. So he's right around his career average. But you need him to get closer to 78%. Dylan Brooks is usually, I mean, Tyus Jones, I think, is shooting 63, 64% from the free throw line right now. Guy who's career 80% of free throw shooter. So, uh. Outside of Desmond Bain and maybe John Conchar, who who doesn't get to the line much, but Desmond Bain is the one guy who you can constantly – he's shooting over 90% from the free throw line this year and shoots 89% for his career. Desmond Bain is the one guy you can rely on in terms of free throws right now. And as we see, he's out. And then as a result, the Grizzlies lose a game you know, by nine points, and they miss 12 free throws. So you, you do the math there, you, you make 75% of the free throws that you missed, and the Grizzlies, you know, are at least tied in that game. And, and who knows, you know, how made free throws changes the ending, you know, of that game as well. So I think that's the main concern for me. I think shooting has improved. Desmond Bain has helped there, but a lot of guys are shooting more, uh, and they're understanding their roles and what comes with that. We talked about John Morant shooting being better. Defensively, you know, that's the main concern that a lot of people have. But I think they're starting to turn a corner a little bit. And over the course of the season, they will get better. But the free throw shooting is the one thing for me. It's because you can correct these defensive things and you can, you know, look at the film. But there's no film to watch when it comes to the free throw line. Maybe a little tweak here in terms of hand placement or where you're standing and all that. But uh, you look at these guys at practice. I mean, Evan, you know, I've seen Steven Adams make nine free throws in a row at practice with my own eyes. And I've seen a lot of other guys, you know, really knock down free throws at practice. But it's something about those lights, man. So uh, that's the biggest concern for me. But overall, the the biggest thing that I think, you know, they have the vote of confidence is that starting lineup. All right. So as we record this, to your point about the concern you have about free throw shooting, the Grizzlies are 
dead last in the NBA in free throw shooting. So that's something to keep in mind that the Grizzlies, for the concerns that DeMichael brought up, they are last in the NBA in free throw shooting. All right. My two takeaways. Um, the, the one thing I like about the, this um, from the from the from the first quarter of the season, I mean, shoot, I'm just going to go with Desmond Bain. I mean, I, I love what he's brought as a three level scorer. I love the leap that he has taken to be more way more confident knowing what he is and who he is. Um, Santi Aldama's growth has been nice. Steven Adams has you know, done things here and there. But I'm going to say still for me, the best thing about this first quarter is Desmond Bain taking his game another up another notch. I think that's going to be crucial for the Grizzlies. I think it's shown now in the playoffs that you need to have multiple guys in the perimeter who can get their own shot. And if Bain can find a way to keep getting his own shot as he's done, as well as that, that long range that he's bringing every night, um, he is going to make be incredibly – important weapon going forward because it opens the game up for Ja. It opens the game up along the court. Um, it opens it up for Jaron as well. Um, so I think for me, the biggest takeaway from this first half that I like, our first quarter, I keep saying half, sorry, first quarter of the season, Desmond Bain's growth. And my big concern, and this obviously relates to obviously with Jaron out, but also with Zaire out is defensive rating, um, or excuse me, defense. I, I still go back to that being my concern for this team is it feels like they've taken a step back defensively this year. Even with Jaron back, obviously, that could change, and we see what happens with him getting more time. But I, I want to bring this stat up here. Um, Memphis was sixth in defensive rating last year. As of right now, they are 19th in defensive rating. That is something that is ungrizzlies like and that concerns me a little bit because when you do wonder about – teams taking a step back after the great years they had, it's one small, it might be a small thing here or there. It might not be a case of a big drop off in some way, like, you know, jaw hitting a slump or somebody. It's one small tweak that you think about. And for me, it's defense, it's defense. It's, it's not being able to replace the perimeter defense they had last year. And you mentioned the steel stat to Michael earlier in the podcast. I, I'm cons- I'm a little bit concerned about that, if that's going to be a trend or if Jaron's going to um, fix that as he plays more. But the one thing I think about is the Grizzlies have built our identity on let it fly and defending the heck out of teams. If they can't defend at the level that they were before, that small tweak concerns me, especially when we get deeper into the season and teams understand who guys are and what they can do. Um, again, that Kings game stands out to me a little bit. And also even the Timberwolves game, you know, two games where I thought defensively the Grizzlies, you know, actually I want to say the Timberwolves game, really. The Kings game kind of stands out to me a little bit more as one of those games where perimeter defense was a bit concerning. So I think I'm going to keep an eye on to see how perimeter defense improves, especially once Sire Williams maybe gets gets back in the fold, maybe as Dylan Brooks gets more assertive. But to me, my two things, Desmond Bain's growth is a positive from the first quarter and perimeter defense taking a step backward and team defense, really, that's maybe my biggest concern. So we'll see what happens. We got a lot of action to play here. Um, before we go to Michael, it's been about two to three weeks. Do we have an update on Desmond Bain at this point? Yeah, not not too much yet there. Uh, I think in this upcoming week, you know, so stay tuned to our coverage there. That's going to be more of an update. And the main thing is he's out of the boot. If you check that out, our story on commercialappeal.com uh, uh, about, you know, the conversation I had with the sports uh, doctor who specialized in foot injuries, you know, that's for the subscribers. Uh, we talked a lot about, you know, just, you know, when 
being in a boot and, you know, how that stabilizes some things. And then, you know, when he's out of the boot, what he can do, what he can't do. So I think, you know, Desmond Bain not being in a boot now is a step, you know, in the right direction there. So he's getting he's getting closer. Uh, Zaire Williams as well. Uh, we should have an update the next couple of days on him in terms of where he is. I think he's trending towards, you know, doing those individual workouts that we saw Jaron Jackson Jr. doing. We're talking one-on-one, three-on-three, and potentially five-on-five. Those are the type of updates that you're about to start getting with Zaire Williams. So uh, both of the guys are really close. And um, I think in the next couple of weeks, uh, the Grizzlies uh, could have both of them back. Definitely. Well, stay tuned with DeMichael as he gives you updates on Bain and Zaire getting close to returning. Obviously, the Grizzlies have a bunch of home games coming up soon. So you'll be wanting to stay tuned to CommercialAppeal.com to see our great coverage from there. And uh, we're going to wrap it up right there. So for DeMichael, I'm Evan. Thanks, y'all, for listening. And we'll see you all soon. The Grizzlies Podcast is a production of The Commercial Appeal.